You're listening to Jesus is Everything, the teaching ministry of The Way, Eugene. I've done this before, and, and, and it's just sort of my attempt to be as transparent and honest with you as possible. We're the body of Christ. We're brothers and sisters. And, you know, we've been talking and praying recently, Matt and I, and just really just searching our hearts and, and seeing what the Lord would put on our hearts to just make sure that we're being faithful and obedient and, and copying Jesus as best as we can in the ministry that he's called us to as being the church. And uh, I'll just be honest, uh, it's been a hard week. <laughs> it's been a hard week, and I'm not saying that for the sake of, of pity or for anybody to you know, uh, you know, feel bad for me or any of those types of things. What that is to say is that um, there's just been a lot going on, work and school and all the meetings that I have to be a part of. And then on top of that, man, just having a heart to be in God's Word and study and be prepared for a study tonight. Um, I have five pages of notes. I have all the notes about chapter five, at least the first five verses that I wanted to get through tonight. But in that season and those moments of time where you just go, Lord, I just, I'm exhausted. I feel really tired. I, I, I find great joy in doing the work that you've called me to, Lord, but I'm tired. Um, as I sat with the Lord this morning and was just reading through the word, um, he put a couple things in front of me and, and a couple things on my heart to just perhaps share with you tonight and perhaps take a little bit of a break from our verse by verse study. Not that that's um, something we're going to abandon. Uh, it's what I'm supposed to do. And so I'll continue studying and teaching and anybody who wants to listen and be encouraged in the word, man, that's our purpose. Uh, pardon me, in, in what we're doing here, whether it's in person or, or on YouTube or the church website. But tonight, I think there's just something a little bit um, specific that God wants to say. And so I was reading Jonah this morning. I was reading through uh, Jonah and it's a part of our Bible reading plan for the year. And uh, it's just what I'm doing in terms of the read scripture app. It's right there. It's got a Psalm and it's got several chapters of a book um, every day for us to read. And it's a great way to structure your time with the Lord uh, to at least begin that time. And so I was reading in the prophet Jonah today and thinking about Jonah um, it's funny that we, we we call him a prophet because that is by definition what he was. He was speaking on God's behalf. God was speaking through him. God put words into his mouth and then Jonah physically spoke them out. But when you do a little bit of a character study about Jonah, you realize, man, this guy was was kind of messed up. He was he was not perhaps the the guy that you would go, hey, I'm going to pick him first for my prophetic team. Like, listen, Isaiah, yep, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, all these guys, Habakkuk, like all these other prophets that are represented in the Old Testament there, those who spoke the word of God. A lot of those guys you'd look at and go, well, yeah, man, they were just on fire for the Lord or they were um, at least obedient. Jonah's not. He's He's in fact the opposite of that. And reading through the story of Jonah, it's just four, four chapters. It's a very, very short book to read. But you look at Jonah and his example, and what he becomes to us is an example that God can accomplish his will and his work in spite of us. See, Jonah, when you, when you look at it, man, this is a guy who should have been incredibly humble and perhaps even in awe 
of the fact that God would choose to use him to speak through him. And you'd think, man, God wants to speak through me. Man, I'm going to do whatever you say, God, right? There's this respect and awe and fear of the Lord that has been well established throughout the history of Israel. And yet Jonah seems to just fly in the face of that. I mean, he, he literally seems to spit in God's face and go, God says, hey, I need you to go to Nineveh and here's the word you're going to speak. And Jonah just goes, nah, I'm not going to do that. In fact, not only am I not going to do that, I'm going to go the opposite direction of Nineveh. You told me to go this way. I'm going to go as far the other direction as I can physically go. And you know the story of Jonah. I mean, it's a great one um, for the purpose of, of just watching how God works in that situation. But you have to know the context. God is working in the midst of Jonah's rebellion, in the midst of Jonah pushing back against God and his calling and will for Jonah, Jonah's just disobeying. He's being disobedient. And yet, you know the story, you know, Jonah is on this ship and, and the, the sailors are in the midst of this storm and they wake him up and they say, man, we're going to die. What's going on? And Jonah goes, this is my fault. I'm disobeying God. And Jonah tries to get out of his responsibility. His responsibility is to go to Nineveh and, and prophesy to those people there. And instead he's on the ship and they're under, you know, this storm that's going to kill them all. And Jonah goes, it's my fault. Go ahead and toss me over the ship. And it's his way of trying to get out of the responsibility God has put into his life and upon his life to speak his word. And so they do it. They throw him overboard and he gets swallowed up by a giant fish. And then, um, you know, he, he prays to the Lord. And it's not like he really repents, but he acknowledges God's goodness and, and God's power in all of those things. And so uh, God, in accomplishing his will and purpose, has that large fish spit him up, barfs him out onto the sand. And then Jonah goes to Nineveh. And Nineveh, this giant city, three days uh, walk through the city. Jonah walks in a day's distance and speaks just a simple, simple word. Jonah just goes in and delivers the, the, um, the message that uh, God sends him to. And in Jonah chapter 3, it says in verse 4, Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. And he called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. <laughs> That's the extent of the prophecy. That's the extent of the, the ministry, if you will, of Jonah. That's it. That's all that's attached to Jonah's name in terms of obedience to the Lord is saying, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. But look at the response. Look at what happens. Look at what God does in the face of Jonah's rebellion and disobedience and the poor example that he has shown in terms of obeying God. Getting to that point, in verse 5 it goes on and says, And the people of Nineveh believed God, and they called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Look at what God can accomplish. Even in the face of rebellion and disobedience, God accomplishes his purpose. Now, the story actually isn't, doesn't have a happy ending. Jonah, even though he came to a point of obedience and did what the Lord did, told him to do, man, it comes out that Jonah then just has a crummy attitude about the whole thing, seeing that Nineveh, all of Nineveh has repented and has put their belief and their trust in the Lord, the God of Israel. 
Jonah doesn't rejoice. He, he doesn't acquiesce to the Lord and say, oh, Lord, you're right. I was wrong. I had a bad attitude. Man, how good of you to save these people. See, verse 10 of chapter 3 says, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is, that is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that, mark this, I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. See, Jonah knew God's character. He knew who God was and had experienced his mercy and his kindness. He knew from, from history, the stories of the nation of Israel and captivity and rescue and restoration, all the different things that God had done in their midst. Jonah knew all those things. He knew them about God, and yet his heart was not right. His heart was, in fact, poisoned against the Ninevites, so much so that he didn't want to obey. In fact, he rebelled against God until God miraculously caused Jonah to deliver the message. And even though Jonah wasn't a good example of the message that he was delivering, God accomplished his purposes. So Jonah is this horrible example, actually, even though he's recorded in Scripture as a prophet, which is true, he's this horrible example of what it means to be a godly servant and to be obedient to the Lord. And yet in the midst of that, we see that God is good, God is faithful, God is merciful, God is loving, and God is kind. God has a desire to save people. So let me, let me take a moment here. You know, if we were to build out a theology based on Jonah, if we were to build out a theology based on Jonah and his example, it would be horrible. It would stink. Here's how. If we based our walk with the Lord and our understanding of God, if we base that on Jonah's example, hate people, uh, treat them poorly, uh, rebel and run away from God's commandments, if that's how we represented what we knew about God, is that we could do all of those things and then just speak God's word out and then God, is go God will save, man, that would, be, that would be tragic. That would be tragic if that's how we lived our lives, as examples of God's kingdom and, and what God has called us to do. If we treated people poorly, disobeyed God, and then just said, yes, but we have God's word, we'll speak that out and watch. God will do miraculous things. Is it true? Based on Jonah's example, yeah, it's completely true. But it's not good theology. It's not a good uh, mode of life to be living in. It's not the example that we're supposed to be following. See, Jesus gave us the example. Jesus gave us the way that we're supposed to be living to accomplish the mission that he left for us. In Matthew chapter 5, mark it down if you want to turn there, that's fine. We're just going to look at one verse. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says this as a part of his Sermon on the Mount, where he's just giving all the practical advice and practical wisdom and godly commands of what 
we're, how we're supposed to be living to reflect God's kingdom even here now on earth. That's part of the good news is salvation and the reality of God's kingdom and his economy and values being lived out right now. That's, that's a huge part of it. It's not just waiting for heaven in this distant place and sort of enduring what we have to endure now. It, it's living in the manner that God has designed even now. That's the whole beauty of the forgiveness that we receive in Christ is that we now can live the way God has called us to live. We don't. Thank goodness for the cross to forgive us of those sins. But we now can begin pursuing Jesus and emulating, copying Jesus' example. And here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, in the same way, let your light shine before others. Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. That's the King James translation, and I love it. Here's what I want to finish with tonight. You know, we're going to get into chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Like I said, I've got the study ready to go, and I just felt like this was what the Lord wanted us to hear tonight. We're going to begin discussing some things that Paul addresses to the church that are very, very serious. Uh, correction of sexual immorality, um, struggles over power, political power, the way that we treat other Christians. Um, you know, uh, he uses the example of Christians taking each other to court and suing each other without trying to find a resolution. Um, there, there's all manner of things that he's going to continue teaching the church about how the Holy Spirit is to be treated, how we're supposed to give reverence to the table of Christ, communion, um, how we're supposed to obey the authorities in the church, all of those things. Paul's going to continue teaching those things. But as he does so, immediately in chapter 5 and chapter 6, there are some things that are very, very sensitive to talk about. Uh, when we start talking about sexual immorality, sexual ethics, sexual identity, all of these things, and those are hot-button topics. Those are hot issues in our society and our culture. And the reason I think that God wants us to, to stop and consider what we see in Jonah's example versus Jesus's words in the Sermon on the Mount there in Matthew chapter 5 is that it's critical for us to remember the purpose behind what we're doing. Sometimes we forget what we're supposed to be doing, like, uh, like the meaning, the, the motivation, the purpose behind whatever it is that we're doing. It's critical for us to remember the purpose or else whatever it is that we're doing, whether it's our job, whether it's our marriage, our parenting responsibilities, our service to the Lord, our participation in the body of Christ, the church, to use the giftings that he's given us. If we forget the purpose of those things, what happens in our brain and in our heart is that we start treating those things like a job. We start treating those things like just a checkoff list of tasks that we have to do. And that's dangerous because if we don't remind ourselves, remember the purpose, the meaning behind what we're doing, actually the substance of what we're doing, not just the activity, but the, but the meaning of it, then the truth is, is that we're not going to do a good job. And not only will we not do a good job, but we can potentially hurt other people. You look at Jonah. 
the purpose behind what God wanted Jonah to do was not exhibit his power in saying, look, I spoke through a man. Look, I had a fish swallow a guy and then barf him onto the sand and then go tell a prophecy. That, that wasn't the purpose. The purpose behind God's will in Jonah's life wasn't to use him as a prophet. It was to save the Ninevites. That was God's purpose. And so behind, Jonah was missing out. on Even though he knew God and his character, he was missing out on the purpose behind what God was doing in his life at that moment. And, and that's dangerous because if God had allowed him to rebel, then Jonah wouldn't have taken that message to the, to the Ninevites and, and they wouldn't have heard that call to repentance at that time. Now, we're not going to get into the philosophy of that and go, well, God would have still accomplished his purposes in another way. Listen, we just need to look at the example that's in front of us. And the example that we have is of Jesus that says, let your light shine. Let your light shine so that all the world can see your good works. And thereby, because of your example, you're following Jesus, obeying the commands of God. By seeing those things, the world might glorify our Father who's in heaven. See, that's our purpose behind everything in life, is so that people might glorify God. You know, this is what we teach our kids in the sense of doing a job well, right? We tell them if, if, if you do a job, it's, it's worth doing well. Any job worth doing is worth doing well. That's the old saying. We teach our children that, not just for the sense of pride in accomplishing a task or for getting praise for a job well done or earning money even. I mean, all those are side benefits, of course. But the reason for doing a job well is so that we accomplish the purpose, so that we are able to complete the task and that task is able to be done in a way that is meaningful and purposeful. And so the way that we copy Jesus, the way that we imitate Jesus, it's not just so that we can check off the boxes of, well, I didn't use foul language today. I didn't get drunk today. I didn't cuss out the dog today. You know, I didn't slam the door in my neighbor's face today. It's not just that we check off a list of do's and don'ts. It's for the purpose of the way that we talk, the way that we think, the way that we treat people the way that we copy Jesus. It's not just simply for a way, uh, it's not just simply a way for us to keep God happy or keep us out of hell. That's not it. It's so that people can see the light of Jesus in us and glorify God, our Father in heaven. The purpose of everything that we do as imitators of Jesus, those attempting to walk in the way of Jesus, is so that God would be glorified in all the earth. And the reason that he should be glorified and needs to be glorified in all the earth is because his heart is to save. There is no other being, there is no other belief system that has behind it, at its core, at its crux, its purpose, and its meaning, salvation. God, Yahweh, Jehovah, is the only deity that is motivated by salvation. His purpose is to save out of his love for his creation. 
So as we get into 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and we start talking about subjects that even within the church can be considered controversial at times, people take opposing views and it starts to hurt people's feelings when truth is spoken out, man, we need to understand the purpose behind what God's word is speaking to us, what it's calling us to. It's calling us to glorify God because God wants to save people through Jesus' death and his resurrection. Listen, some of this stuff might sound really elementary. It might sound really simple. Um, but for whatever reason or for whatever purpose, I really believe God wanted this word heard tonight. Um, perhaps it's just for me. Maybe it's for you. Maybe it's for all of us in, in being encouraged that even in this season, while we just even as we're waiting for the state to reopen and whatever that looks like, whether it's gatherings of 25 or 50 or whatever it is that, that we are able to follow um, the, the rules that, that God has placed in our lives in terms of our gathering, that we understand that our individual obedience and witness to the world around us, letting our light shine, has a purpose and has a reason. It's not just to check it off the list. It's not just to keep us out of hell. It's not just to keep God happy. It's so that God may be glorified in his saving of those he has created and loves. That's the purpose. And so I really, really pray that that would be an encouragement to you tonight, that as you meditate on those scriptures, read the story of Jonah, read the Sermon on the Mount, go ahead and read ahead in 1 Corinthians 5 and prepare our hearts and minds to just take that word in and things that might be hard to hear, but understand the reason behind God's word being given to us and, and the call for us to be obedient to God's word so that God might be glorified.